My name is Nicholas Brown, and I directed the film called The Letter with Pope Francis. Well, the Vatican releases Pope Francis' wildly anticipated encyclical on the environment. La naturaleza grita. Deténganse. Deténganse. Procedure climatique. Un manque de la protection de la nature qui pousse aujourd'hui de nos populations à quitter chez nous. É perder a terra, a floresta, o grande agronegócio que está chegando aí. Marine heat waves are causing an unknown amount of death among corals. I want all the global leaders to do something to stop climate change because if it's not going to be stopped, it's going to harm our future. Queridos poetas sociales. Porque ustedes son poetas sociales, porque tienen la capacidad y el coraje de crear esperanza allí donde solo aparece descarte y exclusión. Yo no iré para estar tranquilo, parfois. Hay un espíritu que voyage. El mundo va a mudar. Porque lo que estaba encubierto, hoy está siendo descubierto. Il faut lisser des liens très forts et il ne faut jamais rompre ce lien. Que nessuno di noi è un'isola. Abbiamo tutti bisogno gli uni degli altri. Try to be the change you want to see in the world. We arrive as individuals with very different stories, but we all share the dream. Welcome to Factual America. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week I watch a hit documentary and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. This week it is my pleasure to welcome Nicholas Brown, the award-winning director and writer of The Letter. The Letter tells the incredible story of the Laudato Si encyclical letter by Pope Francis through the eyes of frontline leaders battling the ecological crisis across continents. A powerful dialogue with the Pope and the Vatican brings new hope for our common home. Join us as we talk with the Emmy-winning director about the film and his career bringing climate change to life. And at the end, we even have a possibly surprising revelation about Sir David Attenborough. Nicholas Brown, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you? Uh, really good. Thanks very much. Uh, glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great. It's an honor to have you on. Um, we're talking about the film The Letter, or also known as the Laudato Si film. Uh, I think it's got other subtitles that uh, you've uh, you've also mentioned in your intro. Uh, it's a YouTube original. Uh, you can find it under the Pope, the Environmental Crisis and Frontline Leaders, typical YouTube title. Uh, <laughs> and over 8 million views in just over a month, I guess. And you can also go to the website, theletterfilm.org. Uh, welcome and congratulations on on this uh, this amazing film you've made. Um, before we uh, really, I mean, I, as I said, eight million people have seen it, but I'm not going to assume everyone on this uh, listening on this podcast has. So, uh, uh, what is the letter all about? Maybe give us a synopsis. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a good question because um, uh, me not being Catholic, I was not also uh, also not aware that the Pope is an environmentalist. It was something I discovered 
when uh, I was actually approached by people connected to the Vatican who uh, said, you know, look, um, they'd seen Leonardo DiCaprio's film and they were wondering, you know, could the Pope uh, be in a film about the environment? Is that something that I would be interested in directing? Um, initially, I I, I kind of wasn't because I thought I'd be the wrong person. But then I thought, well, what if I brought science into the equation? And what if we, mm. you know, what if we worked out a, a an arrangement by which the it wasn't a Catholic film, but it was a film about the Catholic Church reaching out? And I think mm. I think that's the kind of what the film's really about is that the Pope has intuited this moment in time by which science and faith together can work out one of the you know work out a solution to what arguably could be the the biggest existential crisis facing humanity uh climate change and biodiversity loss and um you know uh, i i think also initially i was quite skeptical uh but when i read the 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 encyclical that he wrote mm. an encyclical is a letter um uh that the pope uh, you know originally would write to the bishops and then I think like around the time of the Bay of Pigs crisis, uh, I think was the first time a Pope sort of said, look, I'm going to write the encyclical, but I'm going to broaden it out to, to all people of yeah. goodwill. And this is one of those, the Pope wrote this encyclical um, in 2015 and said, I'm writing to everybody. I'm really concerned about this. What can we do as a human family to talk about our common home? Mm. And, um, so yeah, I guess uh, I was offered to to make a film about that. I I then jumped at the opportunity and realized there's no plot in his book. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's um, true. <laughs> if, if you read it, it's actually great. It's wonderful philosophy and very enlightening about how the you know how this the I, I would say the the world's oldest and biggest corporation mm. uh, operates in this. Um, manner of like um looking at uh their historical you know what can they say about a subject and what saints and other um figures have remarked upon creation uh, including in the bible um and um anyhow uh we came up with this idea basically that we would bring four non-catholics to meet pope francis mm -hmm. who were all on the front lines of climate change and biodiversity loss and that they would have a conversation. They would have a dialogue because that's the first thing that the Pope calls for in his mm. book. He says, I want to have an urgent dialogue about this problem. Mm. And so that's what we did. We, uh, you know, COVID came and, you know, the film died and then got was reborn and uh, all kinds of shenanigans. Yeah. It took, yeah. took us four years to make it. But in the end, we got our four, um, uh, well, five characters, four voices, right. um, voices of the youth, voices of wildlife, voices of the poor and uh, voices of the indigenous um, all came to meet Pope Francis in, in this film. And so, uh, that's the dialogue that happens. Yeah. So that's very interesting. So it was your, the filmmaker's idea to, to bring these four people um, to, to meet the Pope. Is that, is that right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I, the, the Pope meets with people all the time, right? That's his bread yeah. and butter. He, he meets with, uh, he met with Donald Trump. He met with Obama. He met yeah. with, uh, you know, he yeah. meets with people. That's what he does. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, he, he agreed um, eventually after, after we sort of 
described what we wanted to do. He agreed to meet us. Um, and um, we, we then sort of told the backstories of these people. Um, and the idea was that, you know, usually when the Pope meets with people, he'll meet with one focused group. Like he, he, he meets with the oil executives and then he tells them off <laughs> or he meets with the, um, you know, he meets with a particular lobby that wants to kind of mm. use his megaphone. Um, and in our case, we, we wanted to have this dialogue that represented his book. So we said, like, you're going to meet with a lot of people from different voices and we're going to make them the voices that are not heard, that are not represented. Mm. And you're going to use your megaphone to amplify what they're telling you. So in other words, uh, the indigenous um, leader from Brazil, he'd never been out of Brazil. Mm. The 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 representative ambassador for the poor, he, he'd never been out of Senegal. In fact, he didn't even have a... a a birth certificate, let alone a passport. Mm. We had to help him get all that to, to even leave the country. Um, and then uh, we called them initially sort of voices of the voiceless or sort of voices mm. that could come and um, make their case about what it's like to be on the front lines of climate change and biodiversity loss. Mm. And that through listening, we felt that the Pope would then sort of amplify their voices. Mm. And did you, so what was the inspiration for just choosing these, you know, as you said, the poor, indigenous people, youth, and uh, basically wildlife, the unrepresented element. Yeah. Was, um... Yeah. I mean, we, I tried to limit the number because otherwise the film would be, you know, like six hours long. Right. right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are many unheard voices, but these seem to be some of the most acute ones mm -hmm. that I think represent, um, I, I think they represent in terms of the climate crisis and in terms of biodiversity loss, um, which we try to connect in, in the movie, um, the two issues are connected. Um, these were the ones that we felt that we could tell their story and that their impact would be something that the Pope would engage with as well. Mm -hmm. And I think particularly um, interesting in that mix is the voice of the poor. Mm. Um, and I, I think you know, that storyline ends up being one of the really main storylines or threads yeah. in the film. Yeah. Um, we we handle the, the the issue of immigration, clandestine immigration out of Africa to Europe. Um, and and we handle the issue of, of being a climate refugee because uh, for climate change for Africans, especially on the coast of Senegal, it's there already and they yeah. don't necessarily have the same resources as say Americans for example to just move or, or deal with the problem so a lot of them are are migrating um, and usually you migrate once and then you migrate again and and eventually you might migrate out of your country and take great risks no and I think it's uh, I mean for me personally I thought it was what it, it was a it's a it can be potentially a difficult well, it's obviously a difficult subject but uh, it could be a controversial subject in some ways um, maybe not, not rightfully so, but uh, I thought you handled it extremely well. Um, uh, just personally, I mean, and and with that in mind, how did you choose? I mean, there, as you said, there's you could have you know, there's millions of people you could have chosen from. How did you find these? F well, it's more than four individuals because there's a, a couple uh, and, yeah. and others, but but yeah, these these f these people. How did you narrow in on them? How did you find them? Um, you know, I think it was sort of like research and trying to find out people who we felt just were representative enough. Uh, no yeah. one person can represent a whole group. Right. You know, and and like, you know, when we were 
looking for the youth group, we could have gone to Greta, but we felt like she's already had the megaphone quite a bit. So we went to Redima, who's from India. You know, in India, you can't strike for school like school is precious right so they're not yeah. striking they're not doing school strike like like they're yeah. they're so lucky to be going to school they feel so privileged about yeah. it they would never do yeah. that sort of a thing so redima has to communicate her um environmental urgency in other ways um and we just thought you know uh she's a great character she's much younger than greta she was uh like like 12 when, when we first met her mm. um and um so yeah, we we then just so just said okay, that's our person. Um, same with the with the indigenous person. We you know there are many indigenous people, and because indigenous people collectively sort of represent they they collectively protect about eighty percent of Earth's biodiversity now. Mm. We felt like all right, so well let's pick uh, let's pick an indigenous person who we think is representative. We went to Brazil. We found someone who'd been kidnapped and tortured in his background and. Mm had really lived uh, lived this um, uh, experience directly um, and could really communicate what it's like. And um, and he was just a magnificent spokesperson, I think, mm-hmm. not just for indigenous, but for all of the Amazon and, and for the biodiversity. Um, similarly with the scientists, um, Greg and Robin are people who I've worked with before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know their science. Their science is big science. Greg is a, uh, you know, he's, I think the youngest inductee into the Academy of Sciences. He's won the mm. MacArthur Grant, the Heinz Grant. He's a genius. And mm. his kind of um, uh, the way they do their mapping uh, of biodiversity and the way they understand both forests and coral reefs. I thought he was like the ultimate um, ecologist and um, could represent wildlife. He could really say to us, you know, what, what if you wanted to bring the voice of wildlife out, what would they be saying to us? Yeah. And um, and then finally, yeah, with with Aruna, who's from Senegal, that that was a difficult one. And um, you know, you again, yeah, you could have chosen so many people. Um, I I think I met I met Aruna in a, you know, he'd he'd been begging on the streets of of San Louis for uh, since he was six, um, and. When I met him, um, he was at a sort of a like a hostel that that mm. uh, Maison de la Guerre. That's a, it's a place to where these kids are sheltered and get proper education. And within five minutes, we were talking about Immanuel Kant and Nietzsche. <laughs> and I was like, "This is kind of crazy, you know. This yeah, is a kid who's yeah. only started his education when he was sixteen, and now he yeah. wants to do a philosophy degree." Um, and he had a philosophical outlook on his own mm. poverty, and I thought, I think you'd, I think you'd represent well in front of Pope Francis. I think Pope Francis would like you, and uh, and and that is how uh, we chose him. Mm. And, and then, what was the reaction? When I mean, uh, you do show it. I, mean, I should say a bit of spoiler alert, but you do uh, <laughs> the reaction. But I mean, how was what was the reaction? I mean, they must have been. I mean, some. I mean. Uh, I know we could go down the list, but I guess, uh, well, I, let's start with the scientists, because that must have been a, you know, kind of might have been similar to your your thinking as well. Well, why why are we going to be, what are we going to have to say to the to the Pope? Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, I think that um, I, I was pleased that they liked the idea. <laughs> um, uh, you know, as a scientist, 
um, you're risking your reputation if you're, you know, if you're in such a group of of secular uh, kind of many atheists or or agnostics mm. in the in the science community, yeah. you know, to kind of go out on a limb and say, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna go hang out with the Pope. Um, I think probably uh, I think Greg would have thought twice at first, but I kind of think he was the the kind of scientist who is um, confident enough to kind of say, look, I know. I, I'm mm. I'm not going to get assailed for my science. I, I might get assailed for my personality or what I do, um, but I'm going to take a punt on it because I think the issue is is important enough. Yeah, and I I think that you know pretty universally scientists have um, applauded him for for making that handshake. You mm. know there are scientists, and I have dealt with science. Um, uh, you know the people in the science community who have raised an eyebrow and even kind of um, thought mm. that this was a bad idea to get involved with the Catholic Church. But that is, that that was, look, this whole thing for me started about, um, I've been making films for quite a while now um, about this subject. I made a film with mm. David Attenborough about climate change. I've made films about biodiversity loss. And largely I've felt I've been speaking to the same bubble all the time. People on mm. PBS, people who watch Netflix, who can afford Netflix, people who can afford, um, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're kind of a group of people who, uh, yeah, uh, we, yeah, we drink cappuccino, we, uh, we, uh, we're in the nice parts of the city and yeah. that's our bubble. And we talk a lot about climate change and worry about it. We're the professional class, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And we're not, very effective at communicating outside of our bubble. Yeah. And what I think um, this film is about is about communicating outside of your bubble. And I think the the Pope, for example, is somebody who really reaches a lot of people mm -hmm. who I've, I've never been able to reach with my films. Um, so this to me is, is probably, probably why Greg also would have said yes, as he's, he recognizes the fact that, we're in an urgent situation. We have to come together as a human race and we have to break outside of our bubbles to sort of talk about the fact that the the earth is heating up, the the biodiversity is crashing. Um, it's it's outstripping us. Reality is outstripping us, uh, outstripping the scientists and the public and the technocrats. Um, and so we have to catch up and we have to talk about it urgently. Okay. I think that brings us to a really good uh, point to uh, give our audience a bit of an early break. So um, we'll be right back with uh, Nicholas Brown, the award-winning director and writer of The Letter, uh, YouTube original, um, also called The Pope, The Environmental Crisis, and Frontline Leaders, at least that's the YouTube title. Over 8 million views in just over a month, and you can also, well, I highly recommend you also check out the website, theletterfilm.org. You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Alamo Pictures to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with Nicholas Brown, the award-winning director and writer of The Letter. Um, Nicholas, we were talking before the break about well, besides perceptions in the scientific community and, uh, uh, and also this voice, this, uh, this reach that uh, Pope Francis has. I mean, is that one reason, is, is, you know, is that one reason you've released this on YouTube? Is that part of it? 
Absolutely. I think when we um, talked about making this film, um, it was important for us to really uh, not put ourselves behind a paywall. So this was this is not a film that's going to be uh, going the festival circuit or Oscars or, or uh, awards, Emmys, all that kind of stuff. This is a film that's um, meant to be shown in churches um, or in the field somewhere out in Africa where people who um, maybe have heard of the Pope, but maybe have not heard much articulated yet about the environment might watch it. Um, and uh, I think the the movement within the Vatican who are, um, who are our partners in this are very keen that we, we be able to show the film everywhere around the world mm -hmm. without this um this this idea of paying for it yeah. you know the message is urgent and 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 it should be free i mean if you go on the website i see you show where you, you, there's even maps showing where you've had different public showings and things so it's, you've had quite a few uh i mean how does a film like i mean if, i know it's someone is it, is it the laudato laudato c movement that's uh I mean, how does a film like this get made? Because it's uh, you're not going to make any return. You're not going to you're not going to sell it to to the broadcasters. Um, how is this? Uh, but obviously, you have to uh, live and pay the bills. How does it? Uh, how does something like this get made? Uh, it's it's um, to be honest, and I uh, you know, again, I'm not religious, but it was a miracle <laughs> that it got made. <laughs> um, it it uh, you know, by and large, we had. Um, people who were either investors in the arts, like the, the, the Vatican put in no money. There was, there was mm -hmm. no money coming from the church at all. Um, it was all either individuals or institutions who saw the value. Um, yeah. We had a science institution, that science institution I can't name because they had to leave the project because um, people on their board felt uncomfortable. Um, but mm. uh, then we had um, a lot of individual donors, private donors, people who were, um, uh, you know, who were just said, you know, this is important enough to um, back and, um, you know, let's make it. So that's that's how we made it. And it took, um, yeah, it took a long time, <laughs> obviously, um, but we got there in the end. Um and when did Off the Fence come on board, or were they there from almost the beginning? They were there. They were there from from the beginning. They were definitely the. Yeah. Um, uh, they were the production company that um, had sort of hatched the idea alongside um, a, a fellow who worked with the Catholic Church, and um, you know, I, I suppose I came in with the the, the science uh, angle, and and um, then. I suppose the three of us uh, went and, and shopped it around, tried to raise the money. Yeah. I mean, because and you say bringing the science, because isn't that what, I mean, uh, for anyone who's interested, you can go to the Vatican website, you can search for it. It's in several different languages. I think 12, Laudato Si, the encyclical. Um, it's definitely worth a read. I was glancing at it earlier. Um, um, I mean, isn't that really what, the Pope's letter has done. It's he's he's laid out a theological basis for caring and about the planet and saving the planet, but it's also backed by science. And yeah, I guess I mean, he's trying to take things where maybe sometimes science feels like it can't go. I, I think I think that's right. I I think you know. Look, um, it, it, this comes out in the film, but uh, we as scientists, and I suppose 
as yeah. technocrats or people who are trying to solve the the, the climate crisis. Yeah. We have a lot of great ideas about how to do it, yeah. um, but we we kind of fall down a little bit when we when we talk about why the the the, the values behind why and the moral reasons. Largely because I don't think that any of us in in, in either the science community or or um, these communities sort of see ourselves as moral leaders necessarily. We just sort of mm. think it's 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 you know let's present the facts and people will just right. will will just go and and believe us. But that's not turned out to be the case. We've been presenting the facts for twenty years and no one's been really listening uh, rapidly enough. Um, mm. And so having a moral leader, somebody who can kind of say, look, there are uh, value-driven reasons for us to be doing this, and let's look at those. It brings a, a huge new dimension. And I think um, the Pope speaks incredibly eloquently as to why mm -hmm. we need to protect creation, as why we need to care for uh, the cry of the poor and the cry of the earth. Um, he speaks poetically. He doesn't use uh, uh, terms like sustainability development goals or, or ecosystem <laughs> services right. or, um, you right. know, any of these sort of technocratic games. He sort of says, look, there, uh, there, there are compelling reasons by which we must all care for our common home. And, mm. um, and, for, and he explains that for the religious community, this is how he sees it. And it's backed up by theology. Um, and then he goes on to explain about how uh, science can also back up mm -hmm. the, the same message. Um, but morally, it's our our duty to think about our lives and and what we're you know the crossroads that humanity is in. And mm. you know, do we do we just sit by? You know, because if you're not part of the solution, you're going to be part of the problem. Yeah, and in I mean, in terms of that, I mean, you've as you said, I mean, you've uh, you've been uh, probably longer than you'd want to admit, but been doing these sort of films. I mean, and I mean that in a way because you've, you've been, you know, people have been harking about this for ages now, you know, decades. Yeah. And um, we've just got the report in the last week or two that the uh, keeping climate, you know, the temperature rise to 1.5 degrees Celsius is not going to be possible. Um, you know, so it's not thrilling news to say the least. I mean, what is, I mean... I know you're doing your bit. You've made this film and many others, but what is, um, I mean, how do you see it now? Because it's, uh, I, th I felt, I feel like in the, maybe even the last couple of weeks, we've kind of had this, everyone was starting to feel a little bit hopeful and then maybe kind of shoulders have fallen a little bit because we've got yet further signs that we're way behind the curve on this one. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the message of the film, which, you know, it's kind of interesting. The film, I, I like, I hearken it a little bit to The Wizard of Oz. And in The Wizard of Oz, you know, you've got like the four characters who kind of show up and, um, you know, they think that the wizard is going to give them what they need to hear. And then they find out that actually, you know, the cowardly lion, you know, he had a, a courageous heart all along. He just right. didn't know it, right? right. In, in many respects, that is part of the psychological game that we're playing uh, mm -hmm. with ourselves and we think that hope is like an emotion, but it's not. Hope is is actually about it, it's a it's it's agency. It's about um, it's, it's a verb. It's things you do, and um, you you create hope just like you create meaning. And um, a lot of uh, a lot of what Pope Francis 
talks about, I think, is very deep in that respect that, you know, if you want to create meaning in your life or create hope in your life, you have to kind of, you have to do things. You have to take, you have to look inside yourself. I, I see the whole Ladato Seed project in many ways as a self-help project in yeah. which um, you can look at your, and I had to look at myself. I, I, I myself was very much um, a prejudiced person. I thought religious people were never going to help. Uh, because right. they didn't believe in science. Yeah. You know, I just had that. It, it's a very American idea. I think that there's a split between science and religion. Yeah. And so I wrote off a big corner of the of of the population. And through the process of making this film, I've I've sort of rediscovered, you know, it's like it's like you're fighting a war and you suddenly, you know, you're, I don't know, Lord of the Rings and like you're getting your ass kicked. I don't yeah. know if I can say that on here. You but, sure can. Okay, We've had much worse your, said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're getting your ass kicked and then this other army yeah. comes over the hill to help you. Right, you know? right. And right. and that's what the the this idea is about reaching out to the religious communities. There's a lot of faith based communities really do care mm. deeply about the environment, and um, you know we now need their help, and we now need to kind of um, talk more about how we work together. And a lot of that is about human relationships and um, and working within the human sphere to uh, you know. As Greg says in the film, it's not what I know or what you know or what that person knows. It's what we know together. And yeah. when we work together, then it's a lot easier to kind of yeah. collaborate with people and kind of say, well, look, um, let's set aside this area, marine protected area, and and let's work with the indigenous people to manage it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's a good idea. Let's go for it. And, yeah. and, and um, you know, more and more ideas like that, uh, yeah. I think... Are, are where we need to go. But the fundamental blueprint that the Pope is offering us is, is this, this idea of compassion. And, you know, mm. one thing I want to say um, about the Pope's road to where he got to, which I think mm. is really interesting. And I, I, you may share this uh, with me that, you know, I got into environmentalism because I lived in Colorado. I could go outside. I could go horseback riding or fishing mm. or biking. And I think many of us had this privileged access to become interested in nature and the pope had none of that he was never a nature guy he came to environmentalism through working in the favelas of uh argentina buenos and, aires yeah yeah in buenos aires and um it was at some point um he had held this kind of conference called a parasita where he talked to the brazilian bishops who were like you know, they were saying to him, you want to know why the favelas are filling up with people? It's because the land is being destroyed and the mm. and the, the the values that are kind of pushing for this ever increasing need to um, develop are are forcing people into, you know, off the land and into, you know, one of the biggest mm. migrations we've been having is from the urban areas, from the from the rural areas into right. the urban. And um, this suddenly woke the Pope up and he and he came to the same conclusion as many of us, which is that we must care for our environment and for the land. But he 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 came to it through uh, the poor. Mm. And so he combines the issues of poverty and the environment in a way that we've not done that in the environmental movement in the many mm. years that I've been dealing with this we've been kind of slightly dancing around or ignoring or have been hostile to that issue. We've been hostile to people in many respects. And so I think that um, if we are to move forward, we have to work with with the humanity 
that we've got. Um, and that is part of the moral argument that 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 he's putting forward. Mm -hmm. So I think that th these are really important things to be looking at. Um, and and so the Pope, in a sense, and the and the religious, the faith based faith based environmental groups that are coming to the table, they do have something really credible to offer mm -hmm. um, to, in moving forward. Um, and, and yeah, that's the, that's the kind of important message. Um, and, and when you ask me, what should we be doing? We should be talking like we are talking now. What yeah. can we do? Um, what, what do we know that we could do, um, mm. to make, you know, to, to, to either address the climate issue or the biodiversity issue or both. Yeah. And I mean, for you personally, I mean, you, you, Guess you got to meet the Pope, right? <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, how was? Yeah, I mean, you because I would assume you were there filming that certainly that session where all everyone gets to meet with him. We won't go into details about that because that whole se se segment or two is uh, is is well, it's very uh, very moving. But uh, uh, so, what was your own personal impressions? What did you? What you? I think? mean, I, I was impressed with him intellectually from reading the book um, and. And I remember he showed up early, which kind of freaked us all out because we weren't ready. He came like 20 <laughs> minutes early and, and we, we were just, yeah, we were like, oh, is that, cause I will, it is, is that, cause that what's, I wasn't sure if there was like a skip or something, but yeah, no, it, we missed it. We, we you totally, missed it. You were trying to do this practice session and all of a sudden he's there. Well, okay. I'll right? tell a brief, I'll tell the story as briefly yeah, as I can, but yeah. the, the, we, we were all set up for the Pope to go left as he entered the room because we were told he goes left. Right. Right. And so we, everything was, and I have like quite a, a cameraman with a temper. Right. And he was like, yeah, you, all right, we got it all planned out. And then like that they said, Oh, the Pope's coming early. He's going to come in and he's going to go yeah, right. Yeah. And I'm like, will, he's going to come in and go right. And he's, and, and will just like screams at me saying, hmm. You know, I've got every shot set up to go left. The Pope must go left. Tell them <laughs> the Pope must go left. So I run over to the guy who's the, the secretary of state yeah. or whatever and yeah. sort of say, look, uh, it'd be great if the Pope could go left and, and, and shake hands on the left with everybody he's on the like, left. He's like, the Pope doesn't go left. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he just, he just folded his arms and turned his back on me. I mean, he just laughed. Anyhow, the, the, pope, the, the pope always goes right, apparently. So we're mm. like running across the room as the mm. kind of we hear the, the 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 door open. So yeah, we totally right. missed the entrance <laughs> of the Pope, and then boom, then he's there. Um, right. But I have to say, then like uh, it was it it it's a magic moment for 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 all of us because he comes in and he is so uh, present and so humble and he comes and mm. shakes everyone's hand and looks them in the eye and it, and it doesn't matter. Like he did it to the cameraman and the sound man and the mm. tech ops. And, you know, he just is going to address everyone in the room as an equal human being. And he just exudes this uh, ability to listen that is um, very, very uh, compelling and powerful. And, 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 you know, I'd watched kind of uh, Fernando Morales's film, the the two popes, mm. and you know I I felt I felt the the reality of that um, that he is in in some ways he's he's a, a reluctant pope and then all the better for it. He's mm. there to do uh, good for um, for beliefs and values, and you know he he has stripped away. He doesn't wear the gold frippery. He's not. Mm. Uh, higher than thou he 
he he he takes his status and puts himself if anything like lower status than you mm. and makes you feel great and that's a really powerful statement from a leader and and yeah i i i was really impressed with him very very impressed and how did i mean i'm just curious cuz you have to condense it obviously but how long did he meet with you all so he came 20 minutes early and he left 20 minutes late so it was about 80 minutes which i'm told is wow. like pretty incredible since that he usually uh, yeah, even with state leaders, he doesn't ever do yeah. much more than an hour usually. So um, yeah. we were really fortunate. Um, I think he, you know, I, I, he didn't relate with me that much, right? He was very interested mm. in the people that we brought there because they were right. the, the people on the front lines. Yeah. And I think that he really got what we were trying to do in terms of Laudato Si and his message. Um, he could see that these were the voices who, he wants to um, listen to. Um, mm. He is somebody who is always working for the underdog, and um, that's uh, that's why I think he really, you know, he he really listened and and really took the time. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's funny though because like going back to the Wizard of Oz analogy, um, he made an amazing speech, and it's in the film, but mm. that's all a pope really can do for you and and you know we were left kind of mid film with uh yeah oh so we've met the pope now what <laughs> all right um yeah yeah and um so we had this idea of like well let's go to assisi because he talks a lot about this guy uh saint, saint francis, francis yeah who he's taken the name from and and the laudato si is is actually a title from uh a, the one song or written song canticle that we have from St. Francis. So um, there's all these connections to this guy, St. Francis, right? And so let's go figure out who that is. Mm. And uh, and we went there and we went into the woods where St. Francis, you know, this remarkable figure, this very Jesus-like figure, like a neo-Jesus who kind of appears mm. in the early Middle Ages. And, um, and that's, I think, when the magic really started to kick in, because instead of meeting the Pope, we started to meet each other and mm -hmm. it, it, it just so happens now that like on any given day and you can take a group of people, I'm sure you could do this. Like you, you take a group of people from around the world and then on any given day, talk about what's going on around the world on around the world. And you'll find a climate change disaster touching mm -hmm. someone's life. Right. Right. And, and that happened in spades to um, our poor friend Aruna, who's in the film right. and, you know, he gets news about stuff that's going on literally as he's meeting the Pope, there's disasters befalling him. And I think through that, uh, the group starts to learn about each other and about the compassion required to, to really get to know your fellow person and mm. fellow human. Um, because these are total strangers um, thrown into this and, they form a bond and suddenly I think um, climate change, you know, things like being a climate refugee is no longer a statistic. It's a human mm. being. It's a person. And as soon as you make that shift from, you know, uh, we've got this huge statistic, right, about how many people are going to be climate refugees. Well, now we know that one of them is Aruna. And we know his story. Mm. It changes the landscape, right? It changes how you feel about about what it is when you mention that term climate refugee because you know one and you've 
you know, in the film, like you've spent an hour with this guy, so you get to know him. No, I think that's uh, I think that's very important. At the same time, I mean, obviously, climate change increasingly, as you say, it's I mean, uh, the poor people in Africa and other places who are living, you know, affected by it already. But it is something that is affecting all of us. It's an equal opportunity uh, in that <laughs> sense, employer. I mean, uh, you've another wave of well, you even allude, you even mentioned it the fires in Australia, but we've got fires in the hills of California, more frequent. Uh, hurricanes and climate events, and we had drought in Europe. This uh, really severe drought this this summer, and it's all happening. And whatever people think, it's certainly happening more frequently than it was just a few years ago. I mean, it's it's. I think it's staring us all right in the face. Uh, hopefully, um, that people realize that. But uh, no, I think it's a. It's. I think that's a, a very good point. And I, I also find interesting this idea that. Not that you had to create a story, but you kind of did. I mean, you you have a writer credit. I mean, you do, and I, this Wizard of Oz analogy is it was that? <laughs> I mean, you was that something that came later that you thought about? Why this is like the Wizard of Oz, or did you think this is the Wiz? I'm I'm actually kind of telling the the uh, uh, you know. It definitely it definitely came later. I think I think it came around the time when you know we'd worked so hard to get the interview with the Pope that mm -hmm. when we kind of like realized, all right, now we're going to have this moment with the Pope. It was kind of like, well, wow. Well, what's that going to do? Because um, yeah. you know, the Pope's megaphone is big, and that really is the point, right? He's there to kind of amplify these voices. Hmm. But is that going to really achieve anything? Like, what, what, what can like? How am I going to then show, you know, the average person what they can hmm. do about climate change? Because, right, you know. You, what you can do about climate change is going to be different what, than what I can do. It, it depends on where you live and it depends on whether you live in a, you know, in a rich uh, community in, in, in the north, in the global north, or you live in the global south. Um, we, we all know that actually those of us living in the global north are more responsible for the climate change mm. that's going on. But, um, you know, we're, we also have to point at those, you know, top hundred companies who are part of the, the oil uh, energy market who are driving it um, and and who are resistant to change. Um, so, what can you do? You know what you know. It's going to be different for everyone, and there's no one silver bullet. Mm -hmm. So, really, the you know what what could we offer in the film? And and the Pope offered a great speech, but it was again more um, emotive stuff mm -hmm. and. I it it was when we had our characters come together that we're mm. demonstrating, I suppose, the real message, which is, you know, having compassion to 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 not other somebody to to right. to look at somebody who may be from very from very different walk of life, and and to connect with them, mm. and then to share your knowledge and pool your um, kind of both your compassion and your uh, energy and to form a bond, form a family. I think that's very much the, the kind of on message uh, point. It, it's sort of a software thing rather than a hardware thing. It's not like mm. go out and do solar mm. panels. Yeah. Yeah. Do solar panels. If you can do solar panels, but right. you know, do, do what you can with your fellow human beings, reach out to those people, form a group and, um, and with you know, each of us probably has you know what a hundred, hundred fifty people that that are in our orbit that we might know. Yeah. Um, and um, within that, there are 
relationships that um, that you can capitalize on that that you can you can use to uh, do something good for the planet. And I think that's the that's the point. That's the message. Well, and I think that's a message well worth listening to. So, uh, so, so thanks, thanks for making it. And on a personal, I, you know, one thing I hadn't really appreciated was with uh, Saint Francis, uh, the language. I mean, I will just just brief, m- briefly mention this, but the language that he used used in the 13th century to describe mm. nature and everything—it's very, very interesting, isn't it? Like Sister Earth or Mother Earth and things yeah. like that. It's very, very. Um, it's not what you think of. Actually, I must say, when you think he, of a of a of a saint from the Middle Ages, he's incredibly interesting. You know, I think when 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 Fra- Francis Bernardoni, the the young man, um, was a young, uh, he was a rich kid mm-hmm. um, who went to war and had PTSD after a, a bad war, yeah. and he was kind of trying to figure out what to do next with his life, and couldn't really hang with being a rich merchant anymore mm-hmm. um, because he'd seen and and seen and been through things and um and i think at some point early on in his life he met some mystics from the celtic realm and uh you know they they blended a little bit of that you know the christianity Mm. was there and the jesus is really much very much a a focus of his his Mm. theology but i think there's a mysticism that comes in there as well where clearly he you know he goes out into nature he sleeps in a cave he kind of pushes himself to mm-hmm. to to a level of discomfort to kind of get closer to nature to god whatever it is the mystery of life and he gives up this this you know it's very it's very much like the buddha story too you know yeah. it's like, yeah. like like uh siddhartha or something you know mm-hmm. he's like he like walks out of the temple of riches and kind of tries to confront experience full on and get close to nature and he finds himself um ultimately he finds himself in this position where he 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 needs healing and he he meets a leper actually who um he wants to help this leper who falls down he doesn't know he's a leper and he, it's a guy who falls down and he goes to help him and realizes it's a leper and he goes oh my god i'm so grossed out and uh, i don't know if i can touch this guy or help this guy but then he realized well why did i have that reaction and he he suddenly realizes that um, if by helping this person, I'm going to kind of help the world become a better place, that healed him, that healed his PTSD. Mm. And so it's this blend of being a nature person and a, and a person who, who loves the unfortunate, the poor, um, that makes a really heady mix. You know, it's that mix of nature and, and poverty that, that strips away values and uh, we see it in whether it's in Buddhism or it's in you know movies like uh, oh uh, the crack hour one uh, into the wild right you know right. McCandless burning his money and kind mm. of going out and 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 having that kind of nature experience and and uh, connecting to the earth or 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 to fellow humans um it's a it's a powerful story, the the St. Francis story. And I definitely, you know, there's not much written. It's mm. more about actions. And it's really interesting when you kind of dig into that story, um, how, how powerful and potent it is. Mm. Um, I didn't really even realize it. I was growing up in Colorado and St. Francis is the patron saint of Denver where I was born and, and the patron saint right? of Colorado. 
uh, where it, yeah he's like and he's san francisco he's 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 all well, over yeah, yeah, he's, he's yeah. like um he he's he's uh he's ubiquitous and um and uh, you know kind of an alternate jesus figure with a a green agenda <laughs> yeah uh, and uh uh well well before our time certainly yeah in ter- yeah, yeah yeah or in his time i mean it's just a, it is amazing in in 2006 uh, working with David Attenborough, we were both yeah. uh, discussing the the sort of subject, yeah. and I think both of us felt, um, you know, I don't want to put words in his mouth too much, but right. I think he was very much um, like me, didn't want to go out uh, fists swinging, saying mm. climate change is real. Um, you know, we wanted to kind of sit back and 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 go, you know, because but I think I think we were both kind of of the opinion, you know, my brothers are. A, 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 not a professional, an amateur meteorologist. Mm. Um, and he would also sort of convince me that, you know, like this, this, the likelihood that humanity could affect something as big as the atmosphere just seems far-fetched, you know, should we not wait yeah. and really think about this? And, you know, and it was a guy who was, um, the guy who convinced David was a guy named Bob May, who uh, was at the time an Australian chap who had won uh Nobel Prize, I think, or something. Um, he had done p- population studies and and stuff, and he he really knew his stuff. And he sort of said, "Look, um, from where I sit in the science community, the signal has risen clearly above the noise. We need to look at this very carefully." And mm. we spoke to glaciologists, to people studying the Amazon, to people studying fires, to people studying coral reefs, and all of them were starting to say, "Look." independently i'm seeing the signal rise above the noise mm. and at that point um we had a debate like does david do a last piece to camera or not <laughs> you know does right, he right, does he nail right, his colors right. to the math and initially he was like oh i don't you know you know i don't know and and in the end um he decides to and he quotes the bible <laughs> he, he really says, yeah he goes in and he, he he did this speech i wrote a speech and he was like, he looked at it and gave me one of those looks like, yeah. <laughs> this, this, this isn't very good, Nick. Um, yeah. Give me a second. I'll write something right, that, right. that's worthy of me. And he went up to his, uh, his, his office, came back down about 10 minutes later, says, you got one take, let's go. And, and we, we shot this take and he said, basically, you know, we have sowed the, we have sowed the wind and now we're reaping the whirlwind which is a wow. biblical quote and he was talking about climate change and i remember at that point i thought okay this is going to be interesting and sure enough like you know that as soon as it aired nightly news was like <laughs> mm. david attenborough believes in climate change let's get him right. on, let's get him on. Right. and it, it was kind of a it was kind of a thing i remember that was like a turning point um right before the world cup like we everyone was talking about it for like a week oh my god climate yeah. change is real and then the world cup happened and everyone forgot but but for a week, <laughs> at yeah. least, there was a moment in 2006 where we were all like going, okay, this is, you know, this is real. And 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 at that point, you know what? This is how silly I am. I was like, oh, done climate change, you know, made that movie, you know, can move on. <laughs> right. And, right. And then I just realized like no one's like people aren't listening. This is like not changing. Yeah. And, um, and I realized ever since that, that was, a, it was not long after that, that I realized I don't. I don't want to go to Hollywood. I don't want to create. I don't want to mm. film. The, like I, I before, I thought, you know, eventually I'll be doing 
the new Star Wars or my own movies with mm. dramas and famous actors. And and now I'm like, like, look, there's only one issue that that I need to be mm. worried about. Two issues. The, they're twin. Mm. And that's climate change and biodiversity loss. Yeah. And that led to the letter. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I think, I mean, the the thing is, as you say, I, I think that's a very good point you make that it's a real, it's, it's like for lack of a better way of putting it, a very young discipline, right? Because, um, because the conversations I've had with people is like, I, I, you know, I've, as a kid, what we were hearing about, we were hearing about pollution, but we weren't hearing about global warming. Then we hear about global warming and climate change. Then biodiversity comes in, and we hadn't been hearing about that. But it's all because the science has been evolving, hasn't it? Yeah, I've, I've read a really interesting book that has a great analysis of this because it, it, it let's let's be honest that like the, the science of climate change we've known about, you know, like Arrhenius wrote about it. Like it was like, that's mm. like hundreds of years ago. We've known about that the science has been solid since Keeling started um, measuring in the 60s and the 50s. Um, the science was there, but um, uh, what th this this book, it's called, uh, let's see, I've got it here somewhere. It's called Fire and Flood. And it has a really great analysis where it says, look, there are four clocks ticking away. Mm. Clock number one is reality, and that's what's happening. And in the last seven years, the last seven years have been the seven, seven hottest, hottest years on record. Yeah. That's reality. Uh, what happened in Pakistan, that's reality. The, the yeah. melting of the glaciers in Antarctica and the Arctic, that's reality. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the first clock. The second clock is science, and science is about five or maybe 10 years behind reality because we're mm. still working out the models and trying to go, well, why? why? Why is it melting so fast? Oh, I don't know. Let's kind of run backwards in time and figure out, is it carbon dioxide? Is it methane? Is it, you know, what is it? And yeah. so, so science is sort of catching up to reality. The public being the, the third clock, we're like 10 or 20 years behind yeah. the science because yeah. we don't understand the science and it's not yeah. being that well explained to us. And, Filmmakers like myself have been slow off the bat to kind of really be able mm. to get our head around an invisible gas that right. uh, you can't smell or taste and you can't see. And, mm. you know, um, and then, then, then like the fourth, the fourth clock is the financial markets and, and the kind of politics mm. combined. And if you think about who the politics who the politicians and the financial markets are listening to, they're listening to the public. They're not listening to the science or reality. They they want to know where the market goes and who's going to like, you know, so they're, mm. they're, they're chasing the wrong clock. Yeah. <laughs> and it's only now that the insurance industry is starting to look at reality and going, Oh God, we can't. <laughs> pay for this. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Holy shit. Like, like what happened in Australia? We can't pay for that. Like where we can't, you, you were insured for this, but I, that is like a lot of money because a lot yeah. of money went up in smoke. And so the insurance industry is starting to kick in. And so now that some parts of the financial market yeah. are starting to look a little bit more towards the science at least. Um, but all of us have some catching up to do when it comes to reality. Yeah. And reality has been like ahead of us at every stage of the game. Like who would have predicted Pakistan flooding like that? You yeah. know, if you, yeah. if, if you, if you could have predicted that, you know, I, I mean, who, who could have predicted 
like I made another film about about um you know things like uh Brexit and and um the immigrant crisis and and the Arab Spring mm. and those things are political but they do have roots in the droughts that that affected the the grain markets yeah and uh you know like Egypt when when Mubarak was toppled it was the, the three things they were shouting were bread justice right. and freedom the bread was the wheat that yeah. they they were not unable to secure because Egypt had shifted to a flour market instead of producing grain and so they couldn't get grain because the droughts had locked it up in the commodities market so everything is all kind of interconnected now and we're we're reeling from it at every minute kind of kind of decoding looking backwards in our rearview mirror going oh my god that's climate change yeah. um, and um so yeah it's a young science and it's a big one because it it's not just a science it's like all the social stuff that goes on societal yeah. breakdown and 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 all the rest of it which we're seeing in in Africa a lot um at least where I've been working in yeah. Senegal um and uh so you know it's here it's a present danger and um everyone's trying to figure it out the scientists they're they're people uh, now in cop and greta's kind of saying you know you guys aren't doing enough it's greenwashing but you know they're doing what they can but they're they're stuck in the system and uh, uh the the bigger view which i i think is kind of what the pope was kind of saying to us all is like <laughs> come on let's talk let's get together let's make this the the number one issue and you know there are lots of issues out there don't get me wrong but i think that existentially apart from an asteroid hitting us or ai kind of taking us over and and and, and right. robots kind of killing us all you know climate is the big one um climate yeah. and biodiversity but us humans are so good at being distracted by other things yeah um, <laughs> i mean a pandemic part of it, it doesn't hurt, help either but uh you know we like I, to invade each other and do all kinds of stuff, you know, so. I got to tell you one, one more, I'll tell you one more quick story. Um, I, I did a pitch to Amazon and I was with Fernando Morales. We're pitching this, this blue carbon film. Yeah. And I'm thinking we're going to knock it out of the ballpark. You know, this guy's done the constant gardener and he's yeah, done yeah. Uh, two popes and he's like such an award-winning kind of great filmmaker. And the two of us are going to pitch a yeah. climate change story to Amazon I shouldn't say that. I should say an unnamed streamer. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> we're, 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 we're pitching to an unnamed streamer and, uh, and a big streamer. And, and we do the pitch and, and um, you know, Fernando's a little worried about his accent and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we, we do our pitch and um, the woman says to us, oh, well, that's really interesting. Climate change. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, climate change is like going to happen in 50 years. So do you guys have any stories that are about things happening now? Mm. And I'm just like going, OK, that's pitch over. You know, like, I don't know where to <laughs> go from there. And, and Fernando's um, like we get on the phone afterwards and he's like, it was my accent. Right. It was I was like, <laughs> Fernando, no, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't your accent. I promise you. It, like our world is is screwed up if like the head of commissioning docs for this major streamer yeah. thinks that climate change isn't going to happen for fifty years. Um, we're we're this is we're in trouble. You know, people like like yeah, we're we're in trouble. Um, we got to get better at communicating this, and 
And a lot of people have written really eloquently about why it's so difficult. It's difficult to communicate. Um, there's a writer, Amitav Ghosh, who wrote a book where he talks about how, how completely unreal climate change is. It's like science fiction. So how can he write believably mm. about it? Yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's not real. It's like it's so big and it's so, um, yeah, it's, it's so scary for so many people. Well, it's real. <laughs> the Pope's talking about it. <laughs> you're, t- you're, t- you're talking about it. Um, we should all be talking about it. Uh, yeah. And But before everyone gets discouraged, watch the film. It's a, it's a, it's a lovely, lovely letter. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's a letter, a lovely homage to a letter to all of humanity of all faiths and none. Um, yeah. So we were talking early. I mean, we're. I think we're coming to the uh, to, to the end of our time together, actually, Nicholas. But I was just gonna. We were talking earlier. You're uh, you're from, as you say, you're from Colorado. Though you're based in the UK. I'm from Texas originally, based in the UK. How? I mean, what brought you over here? And uh, why? I get asked this all the time. So why have you stayed? Well, I was brought here by marriage, and I stayed uh, because, because of marriage. Of marriage. <laughs> um, but I have to say also that um, in terms of, uh, you know, when I started to, uh, when when I showed up at the BBC for the first time, I remember that was a little bit like, I imagine like a an actor going to Hollywood and seeing the Hollywood sign, you know, for factual, yeah. for yeah. factual yeah. documentary, uh, the yeah. UK had a very powerful um, uh, hold over me, and I was you know, really excited to be here and eventually, you know, uh, was just fortunate, got to work with David Attenborough, got to work with right. various idols of mine. And and so in in terms of like a factual thing, it, it you know, factual programming, fa- t- film, television, um, this is, the UK has been a great place mm. to actually work on a lot of things in the US as well. A lot yeah. of, I do a lot of stuff with PBS. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, I guess it's that cross-pollination in between, you know the little island and the and and the big land um that has uh it's been a very fertile for for all kinds of film and television you know uh, all the kind of um no definitely i mean and, but it's it's not just nature but especially nature i mean I, it seems like the uk especially when it comes to nature docs and environmental you know as you say i guess attenborough is part of that but uh it does seem to lead the way um and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's an interesting one. I think, uh, I don't know how you feel about this, but uh, the thing that's always surprised me the most about this country is because people always ask me about visiting the UK or whatever. And I'm like, well, it's, it's not the cities. It's the, the nature here is, is the most underrated element, I think, of this country sometimes. Um, people don't realize how beautiful uh, Britain is. And there is something that... I don't know. Maybe it's in the the, the national uh, psyche or something that's really into. You know, I mean, I think it species. definitely is, and I I think there's also that you know the the greater Commonwealth. Um, you know, they used to call the BBC Auntie, and they said Auntie knows best. And one right. one of the things Auntie would do is make films about former British colonies. So you have a lot of films about Africa, for example, and right. and that right. led to a lot of films about African wildlife or films about you know, the Far East and, and wildlife mm-hmm. there, um, Near East. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the reach and scope of the British Empire still kind of reverberates, at least yeah. in that one element. Yeah. Of, yeah. A, a, a healthy interest 
in the natural world and uh, in all its you know various forms around the, the uh, there's a there's for for viewers who don't know um, there's a group in in within the BBC called the Natural History Unit and right. that that that's the one that's responsible for all these planet earth and blue planet yeah, and yeah. all the Attenborough stuff and, and many others besides. And, um, that I, I think that that is, uh, yeah, it's been a, a big part of my life is working in that industry. And we've had a few of them on actually. Um, yeah. so, uh, we had the, uh, well, it's not his latest anymore, but we had the latest uh, Attenborough doc on and some of the guy filmmakers behind that. So, um, yeah, I've already, pick their brain about what it's like to work with uh, uh, Sir David Attenborough, but uh, any chances you'll be working with him again? I mean, he's going strong still, so, uh, or what's next for you? I mean, I'm, I'm as I sort of mentioned, I'm very interested in, um, you know, I, with all due respect to David Attenborough, he is um, also, he's very privileged, he's white, He's mm. uh, like me, um, and I'm I'm interested now in giving voices or, or searching out voices that are that are um, less mm. represented, and uh, you know I, I'm working on a film now called Blue Carbon, which is is, is about you know mm. uh, about the kind of global South and and how mm. they're uh, you know there's there this is being talked about right now as we speak in COP, which is mm. uh, you know mm. the 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 poorest some of the poorest nations who did the least to cause climate change are the ones being most heavily affected by the by the sea level rise by the storms by the droughts by the fires and uh so yeah i'm i'm headed in that territory um and um yeah i i think that that is uh that that's a, a whole new topic is is how we get a, a you know i'd love to see a, a black female David Attenborough emerge that um, uh, could be representative in in Africa or, or uh, the global South and be a hero like he is to all of us. Well, and I think that's uh, I mean that is also, also something we've discussed here is that you know these burgeoning film industries in in indigenous film industries actually mm. in, in a lot of these countries um, we had the. Uh, Gosh, I'm I'm really bad. I should know the I should know the films better that we have on the program. But we had the uh, one narrated by uh, Obama recently yeah, on re in the filmmakers behind that recently, and they saying the same thing. Working with local filmmakers, you know, I mean, it's mm. part. This is more the sort of industry shop talk, but you know, not having to bring a whole crew from Britain to go into a place. You've you've now got these 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 talented filmmakers in the, in these places that that can do it. Uh, just as well um and yeah, there's, a, uh, there's a few films out now that are being made by uh indigenous communities or or uh and um and and you know great uh new voices you know really brilliant yeah. uh, you you just had um also like from india you had all the breeze all that breeze i was about to mention them as well i thought yeah and it's not i mean kind of like this like your film it's not because i guess uh, it Maybe you get, uh, I don't know if it uh, rubs the wrong way, but sometimes you, people can say nature film and people have a conception of <laughs> Blue Planet or, you know, or, or at, at its best. Sometimes they, some people might even think to some of the stuff they watched as kids if you're like my age. But, um, you know, it is done, in, it's storytelling in a different way, isn't it? And while still also, you know, all that breathes is, it's it's still that's got that, obviously, the, the one of the main characters is the environment in yeah. that story, you know. 
with uh, with what those brothers are going through. And I, it's a lovely film. Um, and there's more, and may there be, you know, we call ourselves Factual America, but we're, maybe we should be a factual world or something like that. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we're expanding our reach as well. But I agree. I think there's some lovely storytelling going on with uh, with this. With this. I, I think it's, I mean, how do you feel about this? Because we've, uh, we've had different, uh, you know, it's a well-trod path about, you know, how do you get messages across to people without scaring them so much that they scare them into inaction and things like that with the sort of environmental messages. And to me, it seems like another great way of kind of, uh, of, of getting these, this, the, the message across, um, that it doesn't have to be pound on the head with a hammer type stuff. You know, you can, you know, there's a story here and it's a compelling story and it's driven, it's character driven, but let's face it, what's driving the story is, is this, in this one case, in the case of the film we're talking about, the, uh, um, the horrible uh, environmental conditions of, uh, of Delhi, you know? Yeah, I, I think, um, I, I mean, it's a brilliant film and it, it represents, I think, uh, again, that, um, you know, you could, you could argue that, you know, trying to save birds in Delhi is a little bit like Don Quixote charging at windmills mm. um, as the, as the population grows and the pollution gets worse. And, you know, um, I think that we, you know, heroism is standing up even when the, the, the future looks bleak and um, that, that genre of, of wildlife documentary if it's just pure wildlife and it just tells you that the wildlife are doing fine uh it's doing a disservice i think what we need to do is inject the the truth and that is that humanity uh is now as as kind of mentioned by the pope i think is that you know dominion is this terrible phrase in the in the genesis probably mistranslated but it's something that it's Right. We 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 I I I I always balked at it. I remember you know like, oh God, like we should we sh- God should not give us dominion over the mm. creatures um, because that that sounds like we just can use them and abuse them as we want. And uh, the Pope actually in Laudato Si mentions that that's a kind of a misreading that the the real idea yeah. of dominion is responsibility. We have responsibility, right. and now more than ever. We are responsible for. We control the the air. We control the what's in it. We control the environment. We control what's in the seas. We control what's on land. Uh, through our actions, we're pervasive. You can't. You can't. You can't go to the top of the Rockies where I grew up and and not find plastic in the snow. And, and uh, so, really, now it, it's about that that idea of we put ourselves back in that picture. And and we we find the hope by by trying to do something better, trying to make the world a kinder, better place uh, for our for the future generations. Because you know, uh, climate change as it is already is going to uh, affect future generations of humans, mm-hmm. not just the current ones. For you know, if if you believe the chemists, uh, the CO two persists for a minimum of two hundred years up in the atmosphere. So it's a bleak, that's a bleak message to give out. But if you have people who are using their agency, finding agency to do something about it, that's the story worth telling. Well, well, thanks for telling it. And thanks for uh, giving, uh, 
uh, well, thanks for your your thoughts on this, and also channeling po- the Holy Father in a way as well. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, it, uh, maybe unwittingly or not, but but thank but thank you so much, and it's been a pleasure having you on uh, Factual America. Really have enjoyed it, and uh, Nicholas, hope, best of luck with your n- next projects, and hopefully uh, we can have you on again sometime. Great, thank you so much. All right, thank you. Just to remind our listeners and viewers, we've been with uh, Nicholas Brown, the award-winning director and writer of The Letter, uh, Laudato Sea Film. Uh, it's out this year, a YouTube original. Uh, so just search for it on YouTube. You'll find it's the first thing that comes up, along with some of the trailers. Over 8 million views uh, and and counting. It will, it will go way up further, I'm sure. And uh, also the website, which... It gives you something we haven't really discussed that, uh, but uh, tells you more information about uh, these issues that we've been discussing, and that's theletterfilm.org. Thank you again, Nicholas. Thank you. I also would like to thank those who helped make this podcast possible. A big shout-out to Sam and Joe at Intersound Audio in York, England. Big thanks to Amy Ord, our podcast manager at Alamo Pictures, who ensures we continue getting great guests onto the show and that everything otherwise runs smoothly. Finally, a big thanks to our listeners. Many of you have been with us for four incredible seasons. Please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas, whether it is on YouTube, social media, or directly by email. Please also remember to like us and share us with your friends and family, wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Alamo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.